Today is June 22nd. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am so glad that you're here. What a blessing it is to spend this time with you together in God's presence, going through His Word, and just really showing up to become the best versions of ourselves day by day. We have a delectable array of passages that we'll be reading from today, so let's talk about it real quick, and then let's get into it. In 2 Kings, we see the kings of Israel, Judah, and Edom join forces to fight against Moab. However, they are outnumbered and outmatched. Not that that is an issue for our God, but just when it seems like they're about to lose, Elisha, the prophet of God, shows up and devises a plan, an unusual plan that leads to the Moabites' defeat. Let's also notice how Elijah and Elisha, if you haven't already, foreshadow the coming of Christ in his ministry. Elijah was a type of John the Baptist, who we know prepared the way for Christ by calling people to repentance and announcing the arrival of the Messiah in the person of Jesus. Elisha, I think this is so interesting, was a type of Christ himself who performs many miracles and had a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And the reason why I point that out is because to me, it's just another example of the Bible's divine design, the symmetry, the patterns, uh, the symbolism that we see throughout. This shows us how God has been working through his chosen ones to prepare the way for his ultimate plan of salvation and redemption for his people. Now over in Acts, we'll continue the story of Paul and Barnabas who were sent out by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. As we read these stories, let's notice how Paul and Barnabas face the various challenges that come up in their mission. Let's also observe how they communicate the gospel in different contexts and cultures, which illustrates the universality of the message of Christ, but also the importance of contextualization in sharing the message of Christ. In other words, Paul and Barnabas adapt their message to fit the cultural background of their audience, which made it more accessible and understanding for those who would not have had any foundation or been familiar with what it is that they were teaching. Then in Psalms, we're going to join David in his prayer for protection from evil and violent men who plotted against him. David was a man after God's own heart, but he also had a lot of enemies. As we read this psalm, let's learn from David how to express our feelings and needs to God honestly and confidently. And then in Proverbs, we'll hear a wise saying about the power of a cheerful heart, and it would behoove us to discover how joy can be good medicine for our bodies and our souls, and how a crushed spirit can dry up our bones. It would also behoove us to be on about our business in this word. Let's go ahead and get into it. Let's flow, let's feast, let's be fed. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 1 through chapter 4, verse 17, Moab fights with Israel. In the 18th year of King Jehoshaphat's reign over Judah, Ahab's son Jehoram became king over Israel in Samaria. He ruled for 12 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not to the same degree as his father and mother. He did remove the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Yet he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who encouraged Israel to sin. He did not turn from them. Now King Mesha of Moab was a sheep 
breeder. He would send as tribute to the king of Israel 100,000 male lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. When Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. At that time, King Jehoram left Samaria and assembled all Israel for war. He sent this message to King Jehoshaphat of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you fight with me against Moab? Jehoshaphat replied, I will join you in the campaign. My army and horses are at your disposal. He then asked, which invasion route are we going to take? Jehoram answered, by the road through the wilderness of Edom. So the kings of Israel, Judah, and Edom set out together. They wandered around on the road for seven days and finally ran out of water for the men and animals they had with them. The king of Israel said, Oh no, certainly the Lord has summoned these three kings so that he can hand them over to the king of Moab. Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we might seek the Lord's direction? One of the servants of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to be Elijah's servant. Jehoshaphat said, Yes, he receives the Lord's messages. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to visit him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, Why are you here? Go to your father's prophets or your mother's prophets. The king of Israel replied to him, No, for the Lord is the one who summoned these three kings so that he can hand them over to Moab. Elisha said, As certainly as the Lord of heaven's armies lives, whom I serve, if I did not respect King Jehoshaphat of Judah, I would not pay attention to you or acknowledge you. But now give me a musician. When the musician played, the Lord energized him, and he said, This is what the Lord has said, Make many cisterns in this valley, for this is what the Lord has said, You will not feel any wind or see any rain, but this valley will be full of water, and you and your cattle and animals will drink. This is an easy task for the Lord. He will also hand Moab over to you. You will defeat every fortified city and every important city. You must chop down every productive tree, stop up all the springs, and cover all the cultivated land with stones. Sure enough, the next morning, at the time of the morning sacrifice, water came flowing down from Edom and filled the land. Now all Moab had heard that the kings were attacking, so everyone old enough to fight was mustered and placed at the border. When they got up early the next morning, the sun was shining on the water. To the Moabites, who were some distance away, the water looked red like blood. The Moabites said, It's blood. The kings must have fought one another. The soldiers have struck one another down. Now Moab sees the plunder. When they approached the Israelite camp, the Israelites rose up and struck down the Moabites, who then ran from them. The Israelites thoroughly defeated Moab. They tore down the cities, and each man threw a stone into every cultivated field until they were covered. They stopped up every spring and chopped down every productive tree. Only Ker Hareseth was left intact but the soldiers armed with slings surrounded it and attacked it. When the king of Moab realized he was losing the battle, he and 700 swordsmen tried to break through and attack the king of Edom, 
but they failed. So he took his firstborn son, who was to succeed him as king, and offered him up as a burnt sacrifice on the wall. There was an outburst of divine anger against Israel, so they broke off the attack and returned to their homeland. Elisha helps a widow and her sons. Now a wife of one of the prophets appealed to Elisha for help, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that your servant was a loyal follower of the Lord. Now the creditor is coming to take away my two boys to be his servants. Elisha said to her, What can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? She answered, Your servant has nothing in the house except a small jar of olive oil. He said, Go and ask all your neighbors for empty containers. Get as many as you can. Go and close the door behind you and your sons. Pour the olive oil into all the containers. Set aside each one when you have filled it. So she left him and closed the door behind her and her sons. As they were bringing the containers to her, she was pouring the olive oil. When the containers were full, she said to one of her sons, Bring me another container. But he answered her, There are no more. Then the olive oil stopped flowing. She went and told the prophet. He said, Go, sell the olive oil, repay your creditor, and then you and your sons can live off the rest of the prophet. Elisha gives life to a boy. One day, Elisha traveled to Shunem, where a prominent woman lived. She insisted that he stop for a meal. So whenever he was passing through, he would stop in there for a meal. She said to her husband, Look, I'm sure that the man who regularly passes through here is a very special prophet. Let's make a small private upper room and furnish it with a bed, table, chair, and lamp. When he visits us, he can stay there. One day, Elisha came for a visit. He went into the upper room and rested. He told his servant Gehazi, Ask the Shunammite woman to come here. So he did so and she came to him. Elisha said to Gehazi, Tell her, look, you have treated us with such great respect. What can I do for you? Can I put in a good word for you with the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I'm quite secure. So he asked Gehazi, What can I do for her? Gehazi replied, She has no son and her husband is old. Elisha told him, Ask her to come here. So he did so and she came and stood in the doorway. He said, About this time next year you will be holding a son. She said, No, my master. Oh, prophet, do not lie to your servant. The woman did conceive, and at the specified time the next year, she gave birth to a son just as Elisha had told her. Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 28. Paul and Barnabas at Lystra. In Lystra sat a man who could not use his feet, lame from birth, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he was speaking. When Paul stared intently at him and saw he had faith to be healed, he said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And the man leaped up and began walking. So when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. They began to call Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of the temple of Zeus, located just outside the city, brought bulls and garlands to the city gates. He and the crowds wanted to offer sacrifices to them. 
But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard about it, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing these things? We too are men with human natures just like you. We are proclaiming the good news to you so that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without a witness by doing good, by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying you with food and your hearts with joy. Even by saying these things, they scarcely persuaded the crowds not to offer sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and after winning the crowds over, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, presuming him to be dead. But after the disciples had surrounded him, he got up and went back into the city. On the next day, he left with Barnabas for Derbe. Paul and Barnabas returned to Antioch in Syria. After they had proclaimed the good news in that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. They strengthened the souls of the disciples and encouraged them to continue in the faith, saying, We must enter the kingdom of God through many persecutions. When they had appointed elders for them in the various churches, with prayer and fasting, they entrusted them to the protection of the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came into Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. When they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported all the things God had done with them and that he had opened a door of faith for the Gentiles. So they spent considerable time with the disciples. Psalm 140 O Lord, rescue me from wicked men. Protect me from violent men who plan ways to harm me. All day long they stir up conflict, their tongues wound like a serpent. A viper's venom is behind their lips. Selah. O Lord, shelter me from the power of the wicked. Protect me from violent men who plan to knock me over. Proud men hide a snare for me. Evil men spread a net by the path. They set traps for me. Selah. I say to the Lord, you are my God. O Lord, pay attention to my plea for mercy. O sovereign Lord, my strong deliverer, you shield my head in the day of battle. O Lord, do not let the wicked have their way. Do not allow their plan to succeed when they attack. Selah. As for the heads of those who surround me, may the harm done by their lips overwhelm them. May he rain down fiery coals upon them. May he throw them into the fire. From bottomless pits, they will not escape. A slanderer will not endure on the earth. Calamity will hunt down a violent man and strike him down. I know that the Lord defends the cause of the oppressed and vindicates the poor. Certainly the God will give thanks to your name. The morally upright will live in your presence. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 22. A cheerful heart brings good healing, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Mmm, 
That is a very rich proverb. Laughter is often said to be the best medicine. And there is truth to that. When you laugh heartily, you're doing a lot of good things for your body. I love to laugh, especially when I get with my sister and my girlfriends. Like, we crack up. We're very silly and very goofy. But when you're laughing, you're breathing deeply and you're filling your lungs with oxygen, which helps your cells function better. You're also exercising your diaphragm. That's the muscle that separates your chest and your stomach. And when your diaphragm moves up and down, it massages your heart and other organs in your body, which improves blood flow and digestion. Laughter is good for the soul. It releases endorphins, which are the natural painkillers and mood boosters of your brain. These effects of laughter have been known since ancient times. Clearly, it's here in Proverbs. Now, this proverb also says that a broken spirit dries the bones. This means that when you lose hope or joy in life, it doesn't just affect your physical health. It affects your mental health, too. Your bones represent the structure, the the strength of your body. When they are dry, they become brittle and weak. Blake Clark, he's a writer who suffered from depression and anxiety. He writes that emotions can make you ill. And somebody out there listening to me has experienced this before. They can make your hair fall out by the handful, bring on splitting headaches, clog your nasal passages, make your eyes and nose water with asthma and allergies, tighten your throat with laryngitis, make skin break out in a rash, and even cause your teeth to drop out. Emotions can plague one's insides with ulcers and itises, give wives miscarriages, make husbands impotent, and much more. Emotions can kill. That's powerful, isn't it? With that in mind, let's pray that God would help us to process and manage our emotions well, that he would increase our emotional intelligence so that we can be healthy and we can thrive in our lives and our relationships and whatever it is that we have to do. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today asking for your guidance and your strength as we strive to live joyful and fulfilling lives. Lord, we know that life can be challenging and that we may encounter obstacles that may seem insurmountable at times. And yet we also know that nothing is impossible with you by our side. Lord, please help us to remember this truth when difficulties arrive and Help us to remain steadfast in our faith in you. Lord, we ask that you would just bless us with more laughter in our lives. Bless us with a gift of humor. Help us to find joy in the small things and to see the levity in difficult situations. May our laughter be a healing balm to our bodies and a light to others. Lord, we also pray that you would help us to manage all of our emotions in a healthy way. We know that our emotional well-being is essential to our physical health and as Dr. Vernon often says, whatever we do in this life, we're going to need our bodies to do it. So please help us to develop emotional intelligence and to create healthy coping mechanisms when we face stress or adversity or any kind of difficult situation that we don't quite know how to handle. 
thank you, God, for your love and your care for us. Lord, we trust in your plan for our lives, even when we don't understand it. Please just continue to guide us in our purposes and help us to fulfill our purposes in a way that brings honor and glory to your name. And Lord, as we go about our day today, we ask for your protection. Keep us safe from harm and temptation. Help us to make wise decisions and to choose to act in a way that is pleasing to you. May we do everything that we do with the spirit of sensitivity, of love, of kindness, and generosity. Lord, we ask all of these things in your son Jesus's name. Amen. And our affirmation, I have the strength and courage to manage my emotions in a healthy way. I have the strength and courage to manage my emotions in a healthy way. And our aphorism, feelings are like waves. You can't stop them from coming, but you can choose which ones to surf. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this incredible adventure with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you. And if God says the same, I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.